Welcome back to the G3 Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Bice, and today we're going to be discussing the issue of evangelism. In fact, we're going to be talking about the subject of open-air evangelism, open-air preaching. As we go back and look at church history, we see individuals like George Whitfield, for example, preaching in the open air. In fact, thousands of people gathering around as he would preach the gospel in open fields. We also find individuals like John Bunyan, for example, who would gather hundreds of people in the early hours of the morning before work as he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we look at church history, and as we look at even biblical history, we see that God has honored the practice of open-air preaching. But today we have people who suggest that it doesn't work in our present modern culture. We have pastors and local churches who look down upon the issue of open-air preaching. Now, we must understand that there are some really bad examples of open-air preaching today. We can look to the Westboro Baptist example as a horrid example of what it means to be an open-air preacher. I can remember being at the Southern Baptist Convention in Indianapolis years ago, walking to lunch with a friend down the sidewalk and coming upon Westboro Baptist preaching at an intersection, at a traffic light. And uh, we, we went to lunch, and on the way back, we stopped and listened to the man preach, and it was all judgment. There was no grace. It was all judgment and wrath and anger, and it was a horrible example of what it looks like to actually preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I engaged the man and talked to him, and he, of course, uh, was unwilling to engage from a biblical standpoint on the issues. And so I just decided to start preaching the gospel next to him at the traffic light. And so it, it didn't take too long before he decided to pack up and, and, and leave. But the, the point I'm making is this, is that when we preach the gospel, we must have a balance. There must be the law of God that demonstrates the guilt of humanity and the depravity of the human heart, as well as the good news of Jesus Christ, that God sent his son to be born of a woman, to be clothed in human flesh, to live a sinless, spotless life, to uphold and to fulfill the law of God in a way that the first Adam could not, and then to die a substitutionary death in the place of his people, so that any and all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And yet we see today some really bad examples people who want to just stand out and call names or just focus on the judgment or just focus on you know, uh, controversy rather than pointing people to the hope of sinners who is Jesus Christ. In recent days, even, I've, I've gone out just this past week, in fact, to a women's clinic here in Atlanta. In fact, I went out, took my two daughters with me, and we stood out there with friends, and we held signs, and we preached the gospel to the people who were coming in that day to actually kill their babies through abortion. And we preached the gospel not only to them, but also to the escorts and to the security guards and to the people who were standing there working in that clinic as well. Interestingly enough, hanging in that building was a sign that stated, Black Lives Matter. And so as I was preaching, I pointed out 
that that is a mark of hypocrisy, that they would actually hang a sign that states Black Lives Matter in this women's clinic in Atlanta, but yet at the same time be ushering women in to kill little black babies. And so what we must do is we must point that out, but then not just stop there. We can't just stop at the at the point of a, a cultural controversy and just just point out their their hypocrisy. We must go beyond that. We must actually point to the point of the gospel, which is the hope of sinners, that Jesus Christ came to die for sinners, and that if they would stop and repent of their sin, that God would forgive them for their sin of murder, and He would actually restore them and reconcile them to a holy God. And so we must think about what it means to engage in open-air evangelism today. Does it work today? Does it not work today? So I would just simply state at the beginning of this conversation today is that those who engage in open-air evangelism and open-air preaching at, say, an abortion mill, if you want to make the point that God doesn't honor open-air preaching today, I would simply reject that. I would reject that. In fact, I would state that God is using open-air preachers on a weekly and daily basis at abortion mills all across this this nation uh, in a far greater way than He's using people who are staying home and not saying anything on behalf of the unborn. So just, just that alone would tell you that it's far more useful than doing nothing and remaining silent. But even this past week when we were there, there was a young man who had driven up and dropped off a young woman who went inside to abort her baby. And she was unwilling to listen to the cries of the people on the sidewalk, uh, offering help, offering adoption opportunities and resources. But before long, he decided to drive over across the street in a, in a parking lot and talk with us. And so I and another gentleman were able to engage him uh, in a in a conversation, and we pointed him to the hope of Jesus, and we had a great conversation. In fact, he gave me his cell phone number, and we've remained in contact. And so, uh, again, th- these are, are are wonderful opportunities that the Lord grants on a weekly basis when you go out and engage in evangelism. So, I want to just be a means of encouragement to fellow pastors who might be confused. You might just see someone with you know, this angry tone at a at an intersection, at a traffic light, that's just spewing hate and judgment and name-calling, but not really engaging in the ministry of the gospel. I would urge you not to paint with a broad brush every single person who engages in open-air evangelism with that specific idea. So I would I would urge you to think through the calling of Christ to engage in evangelism. And yet, not just the preaching of the Word, but also signs that are being held, like this past week, by my two daughters and other children who are on the sidewalk, women who come as a voice to the women and try to seek opportunities to engage them in conversation if they would so allow that opportunity. And then, of course, uh, tracks and, and, and opportunities to give literature and then point them to adoption opportunities. And so, again, I want to 
urge you to think about the holistic view of what it means to have a strategy and a team to go out and to engage in the, in the process and in the work of open air evangelism, not only at abortion mills, but also uh, just in the local community itself where your church might be located or at sporting events and other big venues where large numbers of people are going to be streaming down the sidewalk. Think about the opportunity that the Lord would give you in the open sphere to be able to just share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So today we have the wonderful privilege to have a conversation with a man that does this full-time. He's a friend of mine. His name is Bobby McCreary. He's a full-time itinerant evangelist. He's a member of our local church, and I consider him a dear brother. He's been doing this for a number of years, and I've had the privilege to labor with him, to share the gospel with him. And so, Bobby McCreary, welcome to the G3 Podcast. Thank you, Pastor. I'm glad to be with you. So as we begin this conversation today, Bobby, I want to ask a couple of questions. There's an awful lot of, I think, misunderstanding when it comes to the issues of open-air preaching and when it comes to the issues of open-air evangelism. So can you help us understand maybe a good working definition of what it means to engage in open-air preaching or open-air evangelism? Sure. I I would say that uh, it's pretty simple. Open-air preaching is just uh, preaching out in the public, preaching the gospel. Um, I think that there's um, a lot of misconceptions and things like that because of people who are really not open-air preaching. Um, sometimes I say they should be called open air abusers because they're just name callers and things like that, but not really sharing the gospel uh, so much. So open air preaching should be taking the gospel out in public. Um, I would say that could involve uh, the proclamation, the heralding of the gospel, as well as um, simply the passing of gospel tracts out in public as well. Yeah, so that's a that's a good way to describe it. So I've personally been out with you on on numerous occasions, but. Give us a rundown of what it looks like when you go out to a location, whether it be some women's clinic in Atlanta or whether it be a sporting event, uh, a football game, or the say you do the, you know, the Super Bowl every year. So what goes into the planning to execute a specific strategy for evangelism at an event like that? Uh, for well, for an event like the Super Bowl, a lot of planning goes into that. Uh, many many months of planning and prayer. Um. So that would involve months of preparation, prayer, um, getting teams uh, together. Um, On a day-to-day basis, for me, it looks like the life of uh, many, many Christians. I'm getting up and um, spending time in in prayer on my way to where I'm going, spending time in the Word before I leave my home, and then arriving to a location like a campus or an abortion mill. And if there's someone else laboring there with me that day, we'll usually pray some more before we start. And um, most times I try to go out with a a text in mind um, that I want to try to preach. Um, Oftentimes that comes through my my reading uh, on that day, Um, trying to think, okay, well, how could I take this passage of scripture uh, and apply it to uh, lost and dying world that needs Christ. Um, So yeah, that's what's kind of involved in the planning and preparation. Um, A big event's going to take a lot of planning on a day-to-day basis. It's just normal Christian spiritual disciplines. Yeah. 
So when it comes to a large event, so if you're going to go out with a group of people, you're going to have some people who aren't obviously going to be using a microphone. They're not going to be preaching. They might just be assisting you guys. And so what would that look like to have, say, uh, younger people in the church or else uh, individuals from, you know, that, that, that have traveled there to be with you guys, maybe some women that are there to help you as well. What does that look like for them to engage in the, the work of evangelism alongside you to be a benefit to the preaching of the word? Well, one thing uh, that's often said is that um, gospel preaching leads to gospel conversations. So as, as a preacher gets up and preaches the word, uh, and the people that are there, as um, you use the word helpers, I think, um, are passing out gospel tracts. Oftentimes, someone will stop and engage the preacher. And, uh, you know, the preacher has to discern in that moment, is that person just a distractor to try to stop the preaching? If so, they can say politely, you know, ma'am, sir, would you like to talk with my friend here to the side with the tracks? And if you're still here when I finish preaching, I'm happy to talk with you then. So uh, most people I find when they're out just passing out gospel tracts or even simply um, praying for the preaching, if they're out there, let's say someone's new to it all and they're intimidated, um, I usually find that they're in engaged in conversation with someone relatively quickly um, because pe preaching definitely attracts people. Now, they could be positively or negatively attracted, but um people do stop and engage and that provides uh, lots of opportunities for those around who are there to um, help. And, you know, one thing I would make, want to make clear to listeners as well is I always try to tell people sometimes someone to come up to you in an event or something and say, well, I, I like going out in the open air, but I just pass out tracks. I wouldn't want anyone to view that as a, a lesser ministry because tracks contain the gospel message and faith comes by hearing. So, it's not a lesser thing. It's just an, an, another means in addition to the, the preaching. Talk to me for a moment about the tools that you use. So you obviously have microphones, you have amplification, you have signs and other things. So talk to us a little bit about the tools that you use on a weekly basis to spread the gospel and to engage people in this, you know, in this environment, this, uh, th this open air atmosphere where it might be a clinic or it might be a sporting event or it might be on on the sidewalk at an intersection sure um well kind of tools can be a, a little bit specific to location so at an abortion mill we're going to go out there with um, things that are specific to that we've got little um models of of uh, eight to ten week uh, little babies that we can show to people uh, that's the, the average gestational age of an aborted uh, child in the United States. We've got resources of um, places they can receive free ultrasounds and care throughout their pregnancy. Uh, 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 gospel tracts that are specifically dealing with the issue of abortion. Um, on a college campus, a tool that I love to use is a, a whiteboard, um, dry erase board, where you can kind of put up a question of the day, even something as simple as, you know, uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, true or false, and leave a marker up there for people to answer. And when, as they do, it gives you an opportunity to uh, engage them. Um, and, um, and as far as, you know, on a street corner, what's been a wonderful tool uh, that we've used here, right here down the street from the church is a prayer stand. 
Um, and we have gospel tracks with that information about our church with that. Um, but it's basically just a big um, tripod with a banner on it that says prayer. And we've had a couple additional signs printed telling people to just pull into where we are if they would like prayer. Um, I, I really do like signs, but I would say this. I like them to be scriptural. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there with signs that are just the equivalent of kind of what I mentioned before. They're just name calling. Uh, I don't you know, want to use signs like that. I want to use signs that have the word of God um, because there's power in the word of God. Yeah, that's very good. So talk to me a little bit about the, the legal implications and what goes into sort of knowing your boundaries. So if you're going to preach, you know, say at a women's clinic or something of that nature, then you're going to be on a sidewalk or you're going to be there in, in, in some public place that that, that, that allows you for, you know, in terms of the legal boundaries to be there. So how do you go about knowing your boundaries? How have you researched that and talk to us a little bit about that, or maybe provide some, some encouragement to others who are just getting started in the world of open air preaching? Sure. Yeah. I would say, um, it's a good thing to know the law and the laws are going to be specific to your location. Uh, oftentimes on a city by city or county by county, uh, basis, a great resource out there for guys that are trying to look into things like sound ordinances. Can you use amplification? Can you not? Is a website called MuniCode, M-U-N-I Code.com. You can look up the noise ordinance for any municipality in the entire country. Um, I would also say if anyone ever needs help finding those things, sometimes they can bury them. It can be a little difficult to find. They're welcome to reach out to me. Oftentimes, a noise ordinance is found under the title environment, um, so they kind of tuck them away. Um, but yeah, you need to know what are the property lines. You can go on the um, tax assessor's website to be able to see that for your local county, so you need to make sure you're on the public uh, property, especially somewhere like an abortion mill, because they certainly don't want you on their property. Um, and yeah, I mean, a, a great document, a friend of mine uh, wrote a document that if anyone wants, they could reach out to me. It's called Hello Officer. My friend Tony was in law enforcement for 20 years um, helping to deal with police because you will almost certainly have interaction with police. Um, oftentimes, uh, as, as, as you're respectful and kind to them, which we should be, they will in return, but sometimes not. Um, that shouldn't change how we should behave uprightly towards them. but Oftentimes, I've been instructed by police things that were just simply not true. And um, one of the things that I think is acceptable to do is just ask them, if I'm breaking the law, could you tell me specifically what law I'm breaking? And oftentimes from there, you can look it up to, whether, to see whether or not that's true. Um, but yeah, you do need to be prepared in that way um, to understand, you know, what, what are the specific sound ordinances for the place where you are and property boundaries and things. Very good. So tell us a little bit about how you came to the conviction that God was calling you to be an open-air preacher. So you didn't just wake up one day and, you know, have this idea, hey, I, you know, out of all the things in the world to do, I'm going to be an open-air preacher full-time. Um, you, you certainly did not fill out some survey at the end of high school that led you to say, I just want to choose the career path of open air preaching. So talk to me a little bit about how you became convinced that God was calling you away from 
you know, secular employment to pursue the Lord's will on a full-time basis to go out and evangelize and to spend your weeks preaching the gospel? Sure. Well, uh, I would be remiss to not mention that I was um, really, the Lord used a sermon by a man named Ray Comfort that probably everyone in the open air preaching world is familiar with. A uh, sermon called True and False Conversion to Save Me. Um, and so I saw, you know, Ray out there. And I guess maybe an easy way to say this is by being saved through a ministry like that, open air preaching wasn't something that was weird to me, just that face value, like it probably is for a lot of people. Um, so I, I knew I should be out there sharing the gospel. Uh, I saw it through that ministry. And then as I began to read the scriptures, when God saved me, um, I saw it in scripture that we're to be um, being about the gospel, making disciples, preaching the gospel to every creature of every nation. So I began by kind of passing out gospel tracts and trying to engage people one to one. Um, Good Friday of 2009 was the first time I um, preached in the open air. And um, I began to just do it a, a little bit more at a time as I was still working my job and and the lord seemed to be moving uh i was able to through the ministry of open air preaching start getting engaged in just dozens and dozens and sometimes in a month hundreds of gospel conversations with people um, to talk to them about the lord and so my wife and i began to pray um, about whether the lord would you know use uh, me and our family more in, in that ministry and after about you know i would say it's probably about 18 months of prayer um, uh, we believe that the Lord was calling me away from my job to that work. Um, the accountability I had within the local church at that time was, was sadly, as I look back on it now, Josh, to be honest, not what I wished it would be knowing what I know today. Um, but the Lord was gracious to, um, impress upon me the need for that accountability as time went on. And so within a, a year or so of leaving my job, I had um, entered into a, a good local church where I had good elders who were um, watching over my soul and holding me accountable uh, in that way. Very good. So when it comes to open-air preaching, and, and again, your call, and of course we see others practicing this gift and this calling— and engaging in open-air evangelism, but can you defend it biblically? Is there scriptural evidence of individuals who are engaging in open-air preaching from the pages of Scripture? Sure. Uh, first, I might say I don't even believe open-air preaching is just a, let's say, what some people might call a method. I, I believe it's a principle that we see throughout the Scriptures. Um, we see Peter in his letter to the church. I would say the first open-air preacher was Noah. Um, Peter calls him a preacher of righteousness. And uh, we see uh, Moses, while preaching to the people of Israel um, throughout the Pentateuch. Um, and then we see all the prophets going out and lifting up uh, their voices in the public square. And then as we transition into the New Testament, we see John the Baptist out in public preaching. Uh, we see Jesus in public preaching. In the book of Acts, we see um, you know, the many of the apostles, also Philip, uh, out engaging in open-air preaching. Um, so I would say that it's a consistent principle 
um, throughout the scripture that God uses to um, have the gospel go forth. Okay, so I'm going to push back on you just a bit because you have people today that say, well, those guys didn't have automobiles. Those guys didn't have, you know, church buildings. They didn't have the modern advancements in technology. So why do you think that we should continue to engage in open-air preaching today when we have the modern advancements of our present culture? And to that same point, why do you think that many churches today look down upon or even discourage the practice of open-air preaching? Great question. Um, Why should we still do it in spite of modern advancements? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm not against using modern advancements. I think uh, social media is a great place to share the gospel. Uh, my encouragement to brothers and sisters would be make sure you're sharing the gospel more than you are arguing and quarreling, because I fell into that trap uh, with advancements. But I would say the reason why we still open or preach is because, uh, like I just mentioned, because it's a principle, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So, uh, you know, I heard one preacher say one time, Uh, I could go outside a concert, let's say, and there's 20,000 people that are going to have to walk by me to go into that concert or a ball game, et cetera. And all I've got to do is go out there believing in what the scriptures say, trusting in the Holy Spirit to move and and open up my Bible and preach. I didn't have to take out an ad on the radio. I didn't have to spend any money other than the, you know, whatever means I used to transport myself there. I, I didn't have to use any, uh, I didn't have to go, you know, rent a bouncy house for a whole bunch of money and all, all, a lot of things that churches do to try to draw, uh, the lost in. Um, I think that the principle in scripture also is a going to the lost. Um, you know, and I think that because we're living in a post-Christian Western society, at least, I mean, I, I've been a Christian for around 12 years. I don't know that I've ever had someone come into a church that I was in that's proclaimed to be an atheist saying, I'd really just like to hear about this Jesus stuff. I've always been wanting to see what it was all about. Uh, I think that the, the the lost are not generally coming into the church. And so we've got to get the gospel to them and open air preaching is a means by which to do that. And as to your uh, follow up question as to why do I think ch- some churches, um, you know, are, are fearful of it or. Um, ashamed of it. I mean, I, I would say um, there can be a lot of reasons. Uh, I do think um, one of those reasons can be is that people are uh, afraid of men and the reaction of men and the scorn of men. Um, you know, when Paul speaks to the church in Galatia and he's addressing the circumcision party, he says, those who would uh, want to make a showing of your flesh do so because they're unwilling to bear the reproach of Christ. And we're coming into an era, and I think the United States, where uh, to call yourself a Christian is not going to be as easy as it has been for a couple centuries. And um, it's been really easy up till now to kind of be comfortable in our Christian bubbles and then look at the weirdos out there on the street corner and kind of just say, oh, that that's just this weird you know, thing. I think it's a it's been a normative thing throughout church history, open air preaching. Um, I don't know all the reasons why people don't do it. I'm sure because of some of those negative stereotypes I talked about in the beginning, 
um, people with bad theology, Pelagians, people, lone rangers who are not accountable to any local church in any way, who are just abusive people. Um, but I would encourage um, pastors and people in local churches to, if you have someone coming to your, in your local church who um, says they do open air work, to not immediately dismiss them as such, but to be willing to see what they're actually doing and whether see whether or not what they're doing is biblical. And, and for pastors, I mean, it, it may be a man who's greatly in need of discipleship and a great opportunity for you to uh, disciple a man um, in, in the area of preaching in general. Yeah, good point. Very good point. Now, when it comes to the the work of open air evangelism, Bobby, some some pastors I've heard say, "Well, you know, I just don't think that 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 type of approach works today. I don't think that it's I don't think that it's relevant. I don't think that God is using open air evangelism in the way that He did in the past." So therefore, we should just do it differently. How would you respond to that? And do you have any, like out of all of the years you've been doing this, do you have any stories you could share with us about how God has converted unbelievers, perhaps even right there on the street corner uh, at events where you've been laboring and preaching the gospel? Sure. Um, so as far as the, the person who said, I don't think God still works in that way. Uh, I mean, I think I would just have to plainly say, just trust what the word of God says. It says faith comes by hearing. Um, God says to go and preach the gospel to every creature of every nation. He says the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Um, so I would say wherever the gospel is being proclaimed, you know, even Paul, uh, when he wrote to the church, if I'm remembering right, it's in Philippi when he talks about some proclaiming Christ from wrong motivations even. But he says, for whatever reason people are doing it, if Christ is proclaimed, I rejoice in that. You know, so if, if you want to, if your avenue is Twitter, you know, I, I'm all for that. But I would say um, don't use that because there's more means to diminish the ministry of open air preaching that God has ordained. Um, as far as seeing people saved, I, I think I've probably seen in in 11 years or so of, of being out there in the streets, um, maybe seven or eight people that I think maybe our Puritan brothers might call hopeful converts. Uh, you saw someone really moved and respond to the gospel. I'll share one with you. It was in Wimbledon, uh, England, 2014. And um, I was preaching and a man came up and he was within three feet of me. Sometimes I call that the zone of uncertainty. You don't know if somebody's about to cuss you out or throw something at you or, you know, what's really going to happen. So in that moment, I'm really pleading for discernment from the Lord. Should I stop now and engage them? Should I continue to preach? In this case, I believe the Lord would have me keep preaching. And I did. And this man, he was holding a cigarette in his hand and a beer, tall boy. And, and he kind of, the best way I could describe it to you, Pastor, is that he looked almost mesmerized by the preaching of the word. And he just stood in the same place for about 20 minutes. And didn't say a thing. And I just really believe the Lord would have me keep preaching. Eventually, a friend of mine came over and grabbed him. And uh, I preached for just a few more minutes. And my friend was urgently calling me over. And I walked over to my good friend, Andy, from England. And he, he said, uh, Bobby, this is Robert. He said, Robert, I want you to tell Bobby what you just told me. And uh, with lips 
and hands trembling, he said, uh, sir, I don't have any idea what's happened to me here today. All my life, I've believed that the Bible was something like Aesop's fables or fairy tales. But somehow, as I've sat there listening, I've come to believe that that entire book is true. And he said, I'm a drunkard and I don't want to be a drunkard anymore. I want to follow Jesus now. And, uh, well, you know, that's something you don't have happen every day. And so my friend Andy and I were able to, you know, counsel Robert in the scriptures and share the gospel with him even thoroughly again over the course of about 45 minutes. Uh, we had a church map that we were carrying with us of uh, good local churches we knew of in England and uh, bullet points on it. We kind of figured out where he lived and what church we could point him to and uh, prayed with him and, and told him he needed to go there and tell them. He, he wanted to follow the Lord. He needed to follow the Lord in baptism and be discipled in the word. Um, but that was just a f far more incredible, uh, probably than it sounds, in just a short amount of time to tell it. Um, but I've also seen, I think God uses open air preaching in other ways, too. I think I think it was Phil Johnson several years ago. He wrote an article saying he believed that one of the ways God was using it in the modern era was to thwart evil. Uh, and, and there's oftentimes, brother, you know, the ministry that the Lord gave us in um, downtown Athens and the UGA bar scene for 10 years preaching there. And I can't remember the amount of times that I had young people come up to me and say, I was about to go this, do this evil thing and that evil thing and this evil thing. And now I've heard you guys out here preaching about Jesus and I just can't go do it now. Now I'm going to go home. You know, so I mean, whether or not that was a seed that was planted, watered, that God will one day increase, or whether that person is just someone that God gives over their sin, well, that was less sin that they did and less wrath they'll store up. So I think there's all kinds of ways that God uses it. It does lead to many, many conversations when you've got co-laborers with you who can converse with other people that stop. So, I mean, I've seen God do many amazing things. I've seen him sober up a drunk through the preaching of the word. I've seen Incredible things I would have never imagined um, just through the simple proclamation of the Word of God. Amen. Well, as we wrap things up today, I want to have you sort of address the open-air preaching community, because as I've been around this community for a number of years, and I've spoken at conferences that were organized specifically for open-air preachers and evangelists, one of the things I've noticed is that there tends to be a tendency to isolate yourself from the local church and to maybe even be just what we might call or categorize as a rogue preacher that's not really attached to a local church, not really under the authority of a local church, and certainly not exercising gifts within the local church and being sent out officially from that church. Now, that's a two-way conversation uh, because I think that there's one element of that conversation that focuses on the preacher, and then there's another element that focuses on the pastor and the local church itself, maybe being uh, unwilling to recognize them, unwilling to support them, unwilling to come alongside and to be an encouragement to them. And so they feel like they just need to just be a rogue Christian, just wandering about from event to event, doing evangelism. But they're not really, you know, seeing themselves in at the heart of the local church's ministries. And I see that as a problem. 
And so I want to always encourage brothers like yourself and others who are out there doing this work on a week to week basis. But also I want to encourage men like yourself to never see your ministry as somehow disconnected from the local church. And so help us walk through maybe some encouraging words that you could help others think through as it pertains to this difficult path, I think, that we see in our modern era with preachers who feel called to go out and to to engage and to preach and to evangelize, but they're not feeling much support from their local churches. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I would say in the last probably six or seven years, I've seen the Lord do quite a bit of work in that area. Um, I, I personally, brother, I'll be honest with you, I I don't labor with anyone anymore who I know is sort of deliberately disconnected from the life of the local church to the men out there who are, I would say, brothers, uh, you know, you need to be committed to a local church. You know that the New Testament um, doesn't talk about a Christian apart from their relationship with the local church. Um, I do agree with you, Pastor. It is a two-way street. I would encourage the men who be, feel like they're called to preach Listen, if you go into a church, I don't care what their theology is. They could have the greatest theology. But if they just outright reject open air preaching as a as a principle at all and say, I'll have nothing to do with that, that, I don't believe you're obligated to stay through that. But if they're um, skeptical, maybe because of some bad experiences they've had with it, or if they um, want you to um, come, come under their observation and care, um, and discipleship before they're ready to sort of, let's say, lay hands on you in an official way as someone being sent out by the church. You need to be patient with that. You need to be gracious towards um, the people in that church that may be intimidated by it. I mean, one of our elders in our church, his wife grew up in an area that's notorious for these um, very rabid KJV only, um, pretty, pretty, pretty intense kind of preachers. There's nothing wrong with intensity, but I mean intensity in a negative way. You know, um, sometimes I might call it beer and cigarette preaching. You know, it's just this moral, moral preaching. You know, if you just put down the cigarettes, everything will be okay. Obviously, the heart problem is much bigger than that. Um, but when uh, that elder, our pastor Adam, when they came into the church around the same time our family did, I think his wife, who's just a dear, one of my greatest encouragers now, was scared hearing I was an open air preacher. And then she heard me preaching at one, actually one of our church events that was outdoors. And she just came to my wife and said, that wasn't anything what I thought it would be like, you know, and uh, has, you know, just become such an encourager to me now. And I thank God for her. Um, but we have to be, if we're Christian, we've got to be gracious with one another. So open air preacher going in the church, you got to understand some people might be intimidated by what you do. Pastor with an open air preacher coming in. Um, I get that some of your people might think it's a little weird, but see it as an opportunity for a man that you can disciple and, and maybe you can even learn some things from about, you know, engaging in that kind of ministry and see how he could be used of God to help the people of your church be more evangelistic and also be ready to, you know, help him work through um, some of the rough edges he, he may have, like I had, and, and God helped me through godly men in my life to work through and continues to do that. Amen. Yeah, I would say to fellow pastors, if you have men who are interested in open-air preaching, 
then you need to invest time and disciple them, teach them the proper means and, and techniques of preaching the word faithfully, uh, provide them with resources, um, help them develop their, their gifts so that they can be useful within your local church. And I would encourage you to send them to the workshops that we do, the G3 Expository Preaching Workshop, so that they can learn uh, how to better handle the Word of God. And that's going to be a blessing not only to their evangelistic ministry, but also to the ministry of your local church. So, so be an encouragement to them, come alongside them, help develop their gifts, and then, and then help them go out and to, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ so that souls would be saved and God would be honored through the preaching and the hearing of his word. So Bobby, as we land the airplane in this conversation today, uh, talk to us a little bit about how people can make contact with you if they want to know more about your ministry and maybe even to help support you as an itinerant preacher. You are uh, dependent upon the Lord's blessing upon your family as people support your ministry. So tell us how people can connect with you, maybe a website address that they can go to and learn about your ministry. Sure. Our website is to the end of the earth.org, T O T H E E N D T H E E A R T H.org. Um, and my email is Bobby at to the end of the earth.org. So anyone who's interested um, can reach out to me through that email and I'm glad to help. Um, anyone who's interested in preaching in the open air or even I have gotten a number of calls over the years from pastors that have had guys like me come into their church and they were a little intimidated and kind of said, how do I kind of process this and how do I help this brother? And uh, I'm happy to be of service to the body of Christ in any way that I can. Um, and so that's how you can can reach us. And uh, thank you. Absolutely. Where are you going to be preaching next as far as major events or anything coming up on the calendar? A couple weeks from now, I'll be with a group of um, men at the Kentucky Derby in Louisville. That's the first first weekend in May. So certainly would appreciate the listeners' uh, prayers for that. And, um, you know, I want people to know, too, I want open-air preachers to know, when you go into a church, you can't just be the, expect the church to be all about what you do and you not be a servant in that church. Um, so Pastor Josh could testify of um, my family's participation in the ministries of this church. Uh, the next thing I'll be doing after the Kentucky Derby is I've had a pastor friend of mine from Tennessee who's doing a church um, retreat uh, with his church, and he's asked my family and I to come in and do a little three-day kind of mini VBS for their kids because he saw the Lord give us an opportunity a few years ago where a pastor friend of mine had us come help him do a Pilgrim's Progress themed VBS at his church. And, you know, so open air preacher, don't don't pigeonhole yourself into the only thing I can do is stand up on a box uh, on a street corner. Um, there's lots of ways you can be a servant to your local church. And preaching is, is one of those ways. And it's certainly my favorite way. Uh, it's my preferred way. But it's good to get outside of our comfort zone sometime as well. Yeah, and I'll just say you're you're actually teaching a Sunday school class in the life of our church. So you're not just out there doing something. You're also using your gift within our church and you have men that that uh, come alongside you within the life of our church on a regular basis. We have 
um, a ministry, a sports ministry where we have on Saturdays people coming onto this campus and you are on a regular basis sharing the gospel on Saturday mornings. And so, yeah, I mean, I would encourage people to follow the example that you said. I think you do a good job of that by using the gifts also within the life of the local church as well. So, Bobby, keep up the good work. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the G3 Podcast. Thanks for having me, brother. God bless you. All right. God bless you. Once again, thank you for joining us for this edition of the G3 podcast. We want to point your attention to our website. That's g3men.org. You can find resources and study materials as well as the archives of this very podcast. May God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next week on the G3 podcast.